ComC.com is your home for buying, selling, and flipping all the hottest trading cards. Their consignment marketplace is home to over 26 million cards across all sports, genres, and eras. With a ComC.com account, you can purchase cards from different sellers over time, ship them home together later, or immediately reprice them for sale on the ComC marketplace. ComC reached an incredible milestone during this year's national by processing their 100 millionth item. ComC looks forward to offering safe and easy trading card consignment for years to come and continuing to focus on fulfilling their mission to optimize everyone's enjoyment of the hobby. To stay updated with ComC, please follow them on social media at Check Out My Cards on all platforms. To learn more about the exciting changes being made at ComC, please visit blog.comc.com. You're listening to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute, a podcast where we discuss both the hobby and business sides of collecting. I'm your host, Mike Summer, and I want to help you buy, sell, and trade your way into a collection you'll love. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute. If you were listening to this episode at release, I am in Las Vegas at the Industry Summit doing my best to continually learn about this sports card industry, the business behind the hobby, what I can do as both a content creator as well as a shop owner on getting better and capitalizing on the opportunity that we've got today, looking forward into the future about where we're headed so that I can learn, I can adapt, and I can adjust to where we might be headed so that I can increase my chances of success along the way. I'm going to continue to learn. I encourage you to continue to learn. But that's also the topic of today's podcast episode. It's been just over a year now that I've been running the physical shop. I had been buying and selling cards for several years before this online, but it's only been a year that I've actually had the brick and mortar shop that was open every weekend. And I've learned a bunch along the way. And I've thought maybe I'll just share some of those learnings in case some of you are considering the same thing and and might find some value from that. And so I put together some thoughts about things that I've learned over this last year. Now, it's not going to be all-encompassing. There's probably more that I've learned. Some of the things may not apply to you, but there are things that applied to me in this particular situation. So that is the topic for today's episode After you get done listening to me today, I encourage you to check out Underdog Collectibles at udogcollect.com. They're an online shop run by collectors for collectors, and they break new product every Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday night. You can find everything they're going to break this week at udogcollect.com. You can join their Facebook group where people talk about their hits, talk about collecting, and some of the things that are meaningful to them, and you can check them out on their YouTube page as well. Check out Underdog Collectibles at udogcollect.com and tell them Wax Pack Hero sent you. This is Ty Dillon, and you're listening to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute. I've still got a lot to learn. That was the primary thought that I've got as I look back at this first year. It's been a year since the brick-and-mortar Wax Pack Hero shop opened its doors, and while it's been more successful than I imagined going into it, I've also realized there's a lot more for me to learn. Today, I want to share some of the things I've learned in this last year. I want to provide some insight to what has worked well for me and what hasn't. What are some of the benefits to the unique setup I have and what are some of the limitations? Basically, I want to give you a place to start if you're considering opening a shop of your own. First up, overhead furniture and fixtures. 
In my mind, overhead is one of the first things that you need to think about. Rent, internet, power, water, display cases, general shop design, those are all expenses that you're going to have to figure out how to cover before you even talk about buying inventory. And depending on where you're located, those things can be pretty pricey. You don't really have any of these expenses when you sell cards online out of your house. And while you may be doing real well online, don't forget that all these extra expenses you're going to have to cover if you decide to make the move to a physical store. And this brings me to the first thing I learned. I would not be able to do this part-time if I had to have a standalone shop. I think the biggest factor of my success in running this shop as a side hustle is that I subleased dedicated space within another shop in town. Essentially, we're two shops in one. If you haven't heard the story, basically the longtime LCS in our town took over the neighboring storefront and created a whole separate room which was used to mainly host Magic the Gathering tournaments. Well, there's an office and kind of a showroom at the front of that space which was segregated from everything else, and that is the space that I rent. My area is separate from the other shop and our inventory is not mixed together or anything like that. The reduced rent I pay helps reduce the other shop owner's overhead and it keeps it affordable for me to do this part-time. It gives me a huge leg up. Next, new wax isn't a showstopper, but it sure helps. Part of my arrangement with the other shop is that I won't sell sealed wax that was released in the last five years or supplies. We don't want to compete head-to-head on those products. As a new shop, it would probably be hard for me to get much quantity anyway in this current environment that we're seeing. I do have an inventory of older packs and boxes that still seems to be quite popular. And while I'm profitable without it, I have observed how much traffic new wax brings in. Every weekend, I see a segment of the customer base come in, and they ask the main shop owner what he has in stock. Then they come over and see me and ask if I have any new wax. And when I tell them I don't, they turn around and walk out. There's no interest in looking at any of the singles from that customer segment. I didn't think it would be quite that pronounced when I started. But you can be profitable without wax. And yeah, I'd love to have the option to sell new wax, but at this point I don't. But what I do sell is a bunch of singles. There's a whole nother segment that loves singles. I have between 100,000 and 200,000 singles for customers to pick from. And I've got boxes full of cards from the 60s and 70s, which set builders pick through. I've got five rows filled with 25 cent to a dollar cards organized by team or by player. And I've got five or six display cases filled with some of the nicer cards in the five to hundred dollar range. I don't really deal much with cards over $100 in price at this point. That's just not my segment. Well, all those lower dollar sales add up, especially because the margin is so much higher on those cards. Many of them I'm buying for pennies as part of big collections I buy, so I don't really have much of a carrying cost or risk if the price drops. So this learning kind of hits two things. It reinforced that there's money to be made at the low end of the market, but it also taught me it would be really hard to only have this focus if I wasn't in my current arrangement. Next up, relationships. They are huge. I try to excel at customer service. I greet people when they walk in and I do my best to quickly point them in the right direction of what they're looking for. I take time to educate, I take time to answer questions, and ultimately I think that pays off. It's taken a while, but I'm starting to see more and more customers come in because they heard about me from somebody else. They heard I was helpful and they heard that I had good prices. I'm hoping to see that segment of customers continue to grow. 
I've also learned that some people just aren't that observant. Sometimes I'm amazed at how some people seem to have tunnel vision. Like I said, my area of the shop is somewhat segregated from the main shop, but it isn't exactly hidden. When people are paying for their purchases at the main shop, they literally only need to look to the right to see my whole setup. There's often activity going on in my area, but I'm amazed at the number of people who walk in and walk out of the other shop and don't even glance in my direction to see if there's anything over there. I need to figure out how to do a better job in grabbing people's attention. There's a not insignificant number of potential customers I'm losing because they simply don't look to their right. How can I get that glance without standing at the opening and interjecting and shouting from the rooftops, come over here, I've got cards too. I need to do some work to figure this one out. I've also learned that buying right is a skill. Buying cards and collections at the right price is critical and it's not always easy. It takes skill to come up with a fair price that gives you room for profit but doesn't come across as a lowball offer. Educating a seller on how you come up with a price can help but some folks are still offended when you can't offer top dollar on everything that they've got to sell. Sometimes I worry that I could damage a relationship and impact future purchases or referrals. This is a skill I've improved on over the last few years, but when I see how others go about buying collections, I recognize that I still have a lot to learn about quickly valuing and negotiating a deal. Luckily, I'm observant, and I recognize this area as a, as a potential area for improvement, so hopefully I'll continue to grow and get better and better. Now, if you don't like negotiating or have some of these types of conversations that can be a little bit tough, this is something that you should really think about before opening a shop. Buying collections, whether large or small, is foundational, and it's a huge piece in acquiring new inventory, and it's really something you have to get good at if you want to have long-term success. Selling online is also critical. I sell at the card shop and I sell online. As I've talked about a lot of times on a lot of different episodes, eBay, Sportlots, and ComC are my primary online outlets, but I also occasionally sell on Facebook and Twitter. About a third of my revenue comes from the shop, but about 50% comes from online sales. And this would be even more important if I was doing this full-time. It shouldn't be news to anyone at this point, but I don't know how you could have a successful brick-and-mortar shop without also having a significant amount of online sales. Building a brand through social media is something that you need to spend time thinking about. I just got done laying out where 85% of my revenue comes from. What makes up the remaining 15% or so? Sponsorship and affiliate revenue. As I've grown my presence and brand via the website and podcast, Increased sponsorship and affiliate revenue has grown with it. This is something aspiring business owners should not overlook. Not only does content creation have the potential to generate sponsorship revenue, but it can also drive new traffic for actual card sales. I have some customers who have reached out or come in because they found the blog or they found the podcast. I have other online customers who specifically look for my eBay, Sportlots, and ComC inventory because they're fans of the show. And when you see how other shop owners like Ryan Johnson, Card Collector 2, are building and leveraging their social media followings, you can't help but be inspired by that. Shop owners who can create good content and build brand through social media will definitely be rewarded. Even though this is fun, it can also be tiring. I work a regular 9-to-5 job, and I've got a family in addition to all the card stuff that I do. 
even though my shop's only open for four hours on Saturday and four hours on Sunday, that means I'm still kind of working at least a little bit seven days a week. And some weeks, that's hard. Most of the time, it's not a big deal. But there's some weeks that I have so much other stuff going on that I feel like I need a break. It's been a year and things are still going well, but burnout is definitely on my radar. I can see how that could become an issue. Is this current setup I have sustainable indefinitely? I am not sure. But if you're considering doing this as a part-time side hustle like I am, you need to consider how it fits into your other life commitments. My day job and my family come first, and I won't let cards get in the way of that. Another thing you need to think about is do you want employees? I don't have employees. Right now it's just me. This is another thing that reduces my expenses, but it also means that when I'm gone, the shop is closed. The weekend of the national, closed. Attending the industry summit, closed. Family vacation, closed. I could hire somebody to help out during those time periods, but I haven't done that yet. Why? I'm not sure. I probably should, but for some reason I haven't. If I wanted to seriously grow and expand, this would be something I have to do. If the sense of burnout starts to grow, it's definitely something that I'm going to have to do. And so while I haven't experienced it yet, I want to make sure that anyone considering a venture like this does not overlook the paperwork, interpersonal complexities, and all of that kind of stuff that come from hiring a team. Listen, I am still a small speck in the grand scheme of things. There's a ton of full-time shops who dwarf anything that I do, and they'd probably laugh me off when they look at what I'm talking about as being successful. You know what? Those shops have complexities and issues to deal with that I can't really speak to at this point. However, even in a part-time capacity, I've been able to generate profits which are meaningful to me and are meaningful to my family. And they're allowing us to meet some of the financial goals that we have. And it's also allowing me to build my collection on the side. I receive feedback from readers and listeners, which lets me know that some of you really appreciate and value the information that I'm trying to share. So my last learning is this. You don't have to be the biggest to be successful. You just need to be passionate and willing to learn. The Sports Card Shop is your small town local card shop with a global reach. Located in New Buffalo, Michigan, the shop is one of the most accessible in the Midwest. In addition to being an authorized Panini Direct Dealer, the Sports Card Shop carries all major trading card brands, including Topps, Upper Deck, Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, and more. With all that new wax, a half million singles, and showcases full of graded cards, you're sure to find something great for your collection, whether you're just starting out or a seasoned collector. The Sports Card Shop is your one-stop shop. So call us, come see us, or visit us on the web and social media. Our phone number is 269-469-0140. Website is thesportscardshop at moco.com. The Sports Card Shop is part of the MoCo Retail Group, connecting sports, the hobby, and people around the world. Well, there you go. Those are some of the things I've learned in my first year of running a brick-and-mortar card shop. If you've got any other questions about what it's been like, feel free to reach out. I'd love to chat and share what I, what I can, that whatever might be helpful. Reach out to me at waxpackhero at gmail.com, on Twitter at TheMikeSummer, on TikTok or Instagram at WaxPackHero. I would love to be as helpful as I can. Just reach out. That's all it takes. 
That's all I've got for you today, so I'll catch you next time.